0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Pumpkinhead Podcast. My name is Lyric and this week we are going to be talking about a special film trope. Um, I just wanted to say also Happy New Year. I did have a lengthier episode planned for this week. However, scripting is taking a little bit longer than intended so I thought we could have just like a chill discussion this week. Um, full spoilers for a few movies, I will put um, the movies that I mentioned in the description um, if you guys just want to check that out first. But otherwise, here we go. I almost forgot to tell you guys, I am currently reading Would Like to Meet. Um, I am going to enjoy the rest of my day reading it, um, and I'm very excited to get back on my romance game. I'm already at, I think, six books for the year, so here we go okay so the trope that we're talking about this week is what i call the only mostly dead trope or the fake dead trope um this is where the audience is led to believe that a character has perished um in these situations the audience when the death arises is not privy to the information it's not um, dramatic irony you are led to believe emotionally and um, through the story telling that this character has died. Um, and then it is later revealed to not be true or the character is resurrected. OK, um, I specifically going to focus on movies. I thought about extending it to TV shows. So Naruto <laughs> um, or Sherlock would have been included. But I feel like that gets too convoluted because when you do have a long running series, it is more likely that you're going to resurrect a character in some way, whether it be in a dream or they actually come to life. And as someone who has always had a vested interest in fantasy storytelling, I just feel like that would be too too many examples um, to go through. Maybe in a future episode, we could do something like that. Um, I'm also not going to be talking about books, Although some of the things on this list are inspired um, in part by TV shows or books um, or the like. So with that disclaimer out of the way, um, the most notable and long lasting, I guess, example of the trope that I'm talking about would be Romeo and Juliet. Um, Full spoilers, I guess, for Romeo and Juliet, if you don't know. Um, it's a tragedy created by Shakespeare. Um, I guess you could argue a romantic tragedy, but however you want to see that. Um, in which two young lovers um have a brief encounter and fall in love in the way that young people do. Um, and it creates this whole mess of errors, um, that leads several people dead. Um the death in question that or the deaths in question that we're talking about is the and I have to remember that these, you know, are teen are preteens. Um the fake out death planned by Romeo and Juliet that looks a um I believe Juliet dies first. Um fake dies with poison. I believe it's Juliet first, I might have the order wrong. Um and they were supposed to pretend as like, oh, this'll teach them like to their families and so they can run away and stuff. Um, so it slows down her heart rate and it makes her seem like she is dead, um, with a poison, I believe. And then Romeo wakes up, thinks that she is really dead, and then offs himself, and then Juliet wakes up, sees the offing, and once again actually offs herself. And then, you know, tragedy ensues. Um, At that point, there's already tragedy. Um, I do want to do, like, a comparison uh, in the future to Romeo and Juliet versus West Side Story because, obviously, West Side Story is based off of Romeo and Juliet, but the way that they handle the ending is very different. So maybe in the future, I'll do, like, a one-to-one. However, that is the original. That is the trope. Of course, it is a smaller time period and there is more dramatic irony within shakespeare because shakespeare loved that crap like you know there is a wink and a nod and the audience knows and then you know there's all these other things at play that could have prevented it and that's kind of the point right that's why it's a tragedy it's one of those things that shouldn't have happened um so you know and like i said there's a shorter timeline of believing that the character has passed um, there's a shorter breath of hope whenever that character is not, but because you also know that more deaths have ensued and such and such. And it's a very famous, um, play, is a very famous movie, um, I specifically am picturing the Romeo plus Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and I believe Claire Danes, in my head, perfect cinema, great. Um, so that's, like, the, like, bar, right? Um, going to talk about another fake death that I think was good and fit the mold. Then we're going to talk about, um, some recent creative ones and then one that I, uh, a rant. Okay. Um, so one that I love and I love this movie and it is based off of a book and I love the book and that's The Princess Bride. Um, that's where, you know, the title of this episode came from. Um, and what I'm naming the trope after so in oh and it's been a minute but in the book in the movie um Wesley so we have Wesley and Buttercup once again a love for the ages um and they fell in love Wesley or sorry Buttercup is like the spoiled um brat like character who falls in love with essentially the help for her um Wesley and Wesley never just says like I love you um, the way that he expresses it is through, I guess you'd say, acts of service towards her and going as you wish. Um, so Buttercup is led to believe that Wesley has perished. Um, but it, he had not. He became a pirate. Um, so there's, I guess, one like fake death. Like she's was grieving him. We, as the audience, are not like with that with her we're not grieving him with her um at this point um which was just being told the story um he's actually a pirate and they meet again and he's callous he slaps her and you know all these things um but they do rekindle their love um unfortunately he is tortured by okay so in the meantime, whenever um, Buttercup and Wesley were separated, she believing that Wesley is, you know, no longer a viable option. Um, she is courted by and pursued by this Prince Humperdinck, who sucks. That guy sucks. And um, so once Wesley is back in the picture, like Buttercup's like, I'm gonna drop the zero, get with the hero, right? And Prince Humperdinck. Um tortures Wesley um on like this like machine it's a like medieval times so they're very creative, and um it's like sucking out the life force of wesley so um buttercup and and team like well, I don't think Buttercup is privy at this point, but the um bands of loyal people that they've gathered um I could need to rewatch this movie <laughs> with a band of people they've gathered um bring him into, like, this, like, this witch warlock, like, man's home with his his wife. I love this scene. Um, and, like, they put him on the table to try to revitalize him, I think, with a potion or something. And, um, it's really Crystal goes, um, he's only mostly dead. Um, which is, you know, obviously the crux of this. Um, let me see if I can find the actual quote for you guys. Let's see, let's see. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Now, mostly dead is slightly alive. And all dead, well, with all dead, that's usually only... Oh, I lost it. There's usually only one thing you can do. And then my favorite character, Inigo Montoya, goes, what's that? And then he goes, go through his clothes and look for loose change. Great scene. Great movie. Um, Very high caliber on my list with stardust of like just fantasy movies where like there's a million subplots and like one minor like real plot i love that i love the like crazy wacky hijinks beautiful cinematic masterpiece it's meta Um, the book is also meta there's a book and a movie i love it anyway we're not talking about that we're talking about dying (laughs) um so yeah so uh wesley is mostly dead um a like let's say ninety nine percent of his life force has been sucked out of him, but it's still that one percent, and they bring him back. So, if I am c- remembering this film correctly, it has been a few years. Um, then Buttercup is not aware. We have like a a short period of grieving Wesley, f- yeah, not knowing what's going on. Um, the fun thing about the movie and the book is a um, flashback and forth between like our perception of reading the novel or for the book it's like the perception of writing the book and finding it quote unquote um and then in the movie it's it's the book being like read out loud um so like you get the little boy uh I forget what his name is but it's very popular uh, it ah I feel bad um I don't remember his name but I'm not gonna keep going to google but um, he's being read the book and because it's a sick little boy, and he's eating his soup, and his grandfather's telling him the story. And he, you get the, like, <gasps> like he's afraid. And um, that kind of takes a little bit of tension away from the audience. You can kind of laugh, oh, this poor boy, um, not knowing. It's the same guy, I think, from... Oh, my goodness, now I have to look it up. I'm going to drive myself crazy. Let's see. Um, Princess Bride. Oh, my goodness, I'm writing the Bride Says... Like I don't know what I was typing. Um, what is this little boy's name? No, 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 Fred Savage. Yes, Fred Savage. Of course, guys, we knew that. Anyway, <laughs> so Fred Savage, as a child, is sitting on the bed, and it takes a little bit of the um, <gasps> like he's dead away from the audience because you get to kind of see his reaction as well. Um, and I think this is like very well done. Um, it's in fit with the theme of the movie, it doesn't seem out of place, it's, you know, dark because, like, he was tortured, and, um, still kind of uncanny and weird and fun, and then, you know, Buttercup is still, like, upset, thinking that her, you know, betrothed murdered her love, like, so you get those kind of stakes as well, but the audience seems to be at least a little bit in on it, and that's fun. Now, I'm gonna talk about a more recent example of... The audience being able to be in on it. Um, So spoilers ahead for The Glass Onion. Leave and watch it. It's on Netflix if you haven't. I don't want to ruin the mystery. It's a fun ride. So spoilers for Glass Onions in three, two, one. Okay, so what's interesting about The Glass Onion is the... Okay, so The Glass Onion, by the way, is a sequel to Knives Out, if you don't know. Um, I think it's really funny. I love the jokes that it should have been called Chives Out. You're so right. Um, It doesn't match the exact tone of Knives Out. Like, Knives Out is fast, funny, and witty. And so is Glass Onion, but it is very different. I enjoy it because as someone who read um, a lot, I was about to say Anne Rice, which I mean, okay, but. That's not what I read. Um people who read Oh my goodness, every name is leaving my brain today. I read um Encyclopedia Brown, I read Nancy Drew, um a little bit of the Hardy Boys, um, watch Scooby Doo, like as a kid, like there oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Um the parody that this like franchise is, because that's essentially what it is, a loving parody. I read her books. Oh my goodness, why can I not Oh my goodness. I hold on. Back to Google. Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know why names are not sticking in my head today. Anyway, um <laughs> so I do love it and I love that they are slightly different each time because um reading the Hercule Perot books, um by the way, my I think my favorite um, Agatha Christie is probably Halloween Party. Um, so read that if you haven't got a good chance. I love Miss Marple as well. Um, it would be very fun if Knives Out does continue as a franchise. If we get, like, a Miss marple S story. Um, I guess you could kind of argue that we've got that because we have partners. But I don't- I don't- I don't think that's the case, so yeah. Anyway, um, we've got Mr. Benio Blanc, um, in- the uh Knives Out and um Chives Out, which is kind of like the drawing line through both films. Um, they're completely separate mysteries. Um kind of completely separate vibes, you're still taking a look at the privilege, but this one's different, and it takes place during 2020, so there's a lot of references, which some people hate, some people like, I think it was kind of, like, interesting, I, it's interesting to see it kind of bleed into media now, I do want to do a bit more of a deep dive on that, but that will probably be further off into the future, um, because for me, like, it's hard to remember that we're not still living in 2020, I turned on one of my, side rant, I turned on one of my old computers yesterday, and um, it told me, like, I couldn't access the internet until I updated um, the date and time. So until it said it change the time, and I realized that it was stuck on June 2020. Ah! Ew! Okay. Anyway, so I think um, some people take it or leave it. Um, Chives Out does, you know, reference it being 2020, at least in the beginning, pretty heavily. Um, and then a few jokes, like, there and there, like, about influencing influencer partying and stuff. It's a movie that seems like it gets it. However, sometimes I don't think people like to be got, especially with internet things, because internet things are like, when you're in it, it's fine. But then when someone says it, like the joke or something on Ellen, it's like, ooh, like it's one of those like subcultures where like, if you are in it, it is cool and fresh. But as soon as someone else, like, even if it's an exact mirror copy, puts it on another like media, it's gross. And I feel like 2020 and influencers, like it there's a very like hard line. I personally think that the movie does a good job. It was fun. It was fresh. It wasn't like on the like it wasn't an instant five star for me, like knives out, but it was pretty good. Anyway, that you didn't ask for the movie review. We're talking about death again. So um what I do like about the movie is it sets up for you to because everyone at this point that is watching this movie has already seen Knives Out. So your brain is in mystery mode from the get go. You're trying to figure out what's a mystery and can I solve it and then post on Twitter about how smart I am, right? So, the movie is good because it recognizes that. So, there's an instant, like, murder mystery that you're going to think is a fake out, right? So, you're told that um, there's this party and everyone's going to have, like, a murder mystery party. So, instantly, as someone who is watching this movie, knowing there's going to be a mystery happen, your brain is like, okay, so, you know, that guy's actually going to die, and that's going to be the plot. It's not. So, that's a fake-out number one. So, it's a fake-out no-one-died death, I guess. Um, Then a diff- completely different character dies, and you're led to think about, you know, that situation side note this is making me want to talk about bodies 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 i'm going to try to convince friend of the pod um D. L. holmes who you can listen to on humanizing horror um if we can do an episode so i don't want to spoil too much on it because i liked it mm, they did not uh, but i do want to do like that kind of conversation so i don't want to go too much into it but kind of like the like subtroding subtroding sub Verding, who you think will die. Uh, I really enjoyed Body Bodies. I'm not going to keep saying the title. Um, They did not... If you want to hear an episode about that, please let me know because I'd be interested in doing a collab about that. Um, I don't want to go into it, but there's kind of a vibe um, in Glass Onion in a way um, in that, like, you think, okay, murder mystery, obviously this person's going to die and it's not that person. And you're like, oh, okay, we're, like, moving over and, like, what's that, you know? Um, So... Anyway, so this character does die, and then so it changes to figuring that out, but there's a scene that's very, very similar to Bodies, 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 uh, where the lights go out, and everyone's, like, freaking out, because they're like, oh my god, we have to find the murderer, but now it's dark, and we don't know, like, if like, they're gonna murder again, like, what, what's going on, that kind of scene, um, and in that scene, you see Benio Blanc, I almost called him Least Pro, Benio Blanc, go outside... And have this discussion with one of the characters in the film who gets shot. And it's like, oh no! She's dead! And you believe it at that point in time. And then, the movie shifts completely. Goes back to the beginning. And shows that it's like this whole plot. So you get emotionally invested. You still believe that that is dead. But you get emotionally invested in why she was there. Her relationship to the other characters. And it's like you're getting, it's even, like, more frustrating. I wouldn't say, like, grieving, because it's not, like, that kind of, you know, connection, but more frustrating that she's dead, and you're like, oh, my God, how is this mystery? It kind of reframes the whole thing. I think it's very smart, because after watching Knives Out, you know everyone is trying to figure out the mystery before the movie does. So the movie kind of takes that away from you and gives you a whole bunch of answers mid, like, movie so you're like oh crap and you have to completely redirect so then the movie is free to have its twist because it kind of gave you like the big one that people were probably trying to figure out and then like the rest of the movie you're kind of on the ride with them so i i thought that was very clever because of course people are going to go into this like only focusing on what the twist is and the one they get it kind of whatever so it kind of takes away everyone's steam so anyway while the the movie is doing that you still believe that this character I'm trying not to give too much away you know but I am telling you the plot but not the people but that this character has died and then it goes through all of the like emotional this is why to reveal that she did not die she is only mostly dead for lack of a better phrase or want of one um and they like fake it so she um lets the rest of the like the People in the cast think that she... or I'm pronouncing, but think that they are dead. Um, Great. Brilliant. It's fun. I think that's what I love is it is a murder mystery, but it's fun, you know? It doesn't feel like... It feels good, and and the way that they did that, it was kind of, like, in my mind, as a viewer, like, reminding you, like, just watch the movie. Like, it's okay if, if you do figure it out, or if you don't, or if it's like, oh, that was obvious have fun and watch the dang movie. Um, I think it really... I thought that was clever. At the time when I watched it, I was like, aw, I wanted to, you know... But, like, that's the point, you know? Really good. Really classy. And it does... almost make you feel smarter than if you had figured it out, which is the plot. If you do know mysteries, it's, it's not... new. It's not, like, completely groundbreaking. Um... But the movie itself, the way that it is paced and timed and moves around makes you feel smart for being along with the ride. And I think that's what that like fake death did is it let you take a pause, stop trying to like outdo the movie and keep thinking things and whatever, but just like be there with the characters and reconnect. And I thought it was cleverly done. And it is a fake out death that I approve of because it made sense. Um, well, I mean, I still think that the thing that was blocking the bullet wouldn't have blocked it, you know? Um, but I will accept that. Um, <laughs> and it was funny, like, the way that they faked certain things and all that. And, of course, the people, the characters i scene are very vapid and just, like, freaked out. So they're not going to look too closely. So I can suspend my book disbelief for that. Well done, fun movie. Um, and another fun movie with a well done fake out that pissed me off (laughs) because I got very emotionally involved, um, is Bullet Train. So, I watched this one recently. Um, it came out before Glass Onion, but I watched it after Glass Onion. Um, I watched this, like, I don't know, a few days ago, and I think it kind of re-inspired me to talk about this topic. Um, wow. It- I don't like action movies. I should preface that. I'm not a big action movie fan. I think my brain sees all these things going on and just shuts off. So when there are action movies that I do like, I hold them in pretty high caliber because there's something in it that broke through the fact that I don't usually like this. Now I can like action scenes. I like John Wick, but is that because it's Keanu Reeves and my parents like that movie? Who's to say, but a lot of just, like, action-packed or like, I'm not a huge, um, disaster movie person, so those kind of things, like, my brain kind of turns off, so, um, Bullet Train, by extension, would seem like something I wouldn't be that interested in, um, because it is, like, like, it's a, essentially a bunch of assassins, um, through one means or the, or another, get put on a train where they can't escape, and they're trying to, they have conflicting jobs, right they're all assassins and it's like figuring out there's a mystery element of like who's the assassin who hired them like there's like stakes are high because they're all assassins and they all have big scary bosses and you know trying to untangle the webs um, it is it's one of those, I feel like, that character from Always Sunny with, like, the board behind me, because it's kind of like that to try to, like, if I was to go, like, do a play-by-play of the plot, because, it's like, well, this is connected because this, and blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of death in this movie, um, so, also, spoiler alert for Bullet Train, also found on Netflix if you want to watch. I do recommend it. I do think a lot of, it's going to be like Glass Onion, where it's, like, a hit or miss. Um, anyway, cinematography, pretty good, by the way. Um, on all of these for what they are um so in bullet train like said lots of death there there's a lot of assassins and it, i thought it was pretty funny because it did do um kind of like i call it the scream effect where you have someone who you think oh because of the way they're introduced in the story or even the deadpool like um that deadpool scene where he gets a whole new team and they, spoilers for Deadpool 2, he gets a whole new team, and they all immediately die. Beautiful. Because you are told, like, through watching films, and, you know, the normal tropes, that this character will live because A, B, and C. So, um, when that doesn't happen, it's like, oh, and that could either be a win, um, they're sub- subverting the trope for a reason, or that's, like, the movie, or things like that, or it could be a loss because some things are trope for a reason. In this, and in those other two instances of, um, Scream and, uh, Deadpool 2, I think it works, because you're like, uh, oh and then you have to, kind of keep going. <laughs> um, the movie's not over. So, like, with Scream, they famously have, or er, had, um, Drew Barrymore answer the phone. You think, wow, she's on the poster, Wow, she's this big name. She's obviously the main character. Gone. Um, Immediately. And so that does happen a few times in Bullet Train. Well, they'll, like, build up a mystery. And, you know, you're, like, trying to figure out, okay, oh, this is the big bad. And that's the thing, too. They're all bad. <laughs> so to have a big bad on a train of big bads is... Bad. I wanted to make when I was gonna make my letterbox review. I wanted to make a snakes on the plane reference and be like, "There's too many, da- there's too many bullets on this damn train," but then there was an actual snake on the train. So I was like, "Well, I, uh, guys." So I don't know if that was another like layer or if, whatever. If there's a poisonous snake. It's wild. There's so much crap happening in this movie, and they keep like showing other people's point of views and then there's this really great twist at the end with red Pitt's character. It's funny. It's more comedy mystery than just action, but there like I said, a lot of deaths, a lot of action. Uh bad bunnies in it who is fine. He is so attractive. In this. <laughs> there's a lot of really fine people in this movie. Um if that's, you know, if that's the final selling point. Um but yeah lots of lots of death it's very into the woods like as well where like we start off with this huge cast and we dwindle down to i think about four characters maybe i maybe two survive the whole thing so it's great um but there is a fake out death of course there are a few like almost misses where people get like get um almost got but there's this. <laughs> and when I tell you, this movie just devolves into pure comedy. Um, there's this bit with a water bottle that you see throughout the movie, and it, it has um, a lot of points in which it is pertaining to the scene. So, at the towards the end of the movie, they have like a little throwaway scene where it shows the water bottle just like it had shown all the other main characters and like what it was doing the whole time. Brilliant, stupid. I loved it. Um, but anyway, so The Water Bottle. There's, um, oh, I don't even know where to start. This this movie is so convoluted. I'll just say, I'll dumb it really down. I'm going to be missing a lot of, boi- of points, but I'll dumb it down. So there's these two brothers, um, Lemon and Clementine. They are the best. Um, hashtag, let's start the Lemon and Clementine TV show. Beautiful chemistry. So much fun these characters um so lemon is um really obsessed with thomas the Trank. uncomfortably obsessed with thomas the Trank. uh engine tank engine um it comes up a lot um it does pre- it does end up in the plot so it's not just completely thrown away but whatever he's very sweet um very observant guy uh, mind you I'm saying, sweet, they are assassins. And then his brother, adopted brother, it seems to imply, Clementine is the more, like, standoffish, like, rogue-like guy. Like, whatever, they bicker, but they always have each other's back. Um, so there's a scene in which, um, Brad Pitt's character and Lemon are, um, like, arguing, and it's a, it's a really good, good scene. Um, and I believe that Brad Pitt's character is losing the argument at first um and then Lemon like leaves and Brad Pitt puts um a powder in the water that we're led to believe is poison so um and he doesn't put just a little bit he's like no I'm gonna take this sucker out and he pours like a whole thing in it shakes it up puts it back down Lemon later comes and grab it I in my head I was calling it Chekhov's water bottle um but that's basically what it is so um we go through all these other scenes. There's all these other things at play. Um, some of the assassins have to pair up, and then they also are against each other. Like there's a lot of back and forth. Joey King is in this movie. Listen, she's done nothing wrong. I just, I just, you know, she's a great actress. I, you know, um, so she's in this movie. And um, there is a confrontation scene where, like, she's done something bad that Lemon is trying to like expose her for, and he almost has her, and he's like closing in, and then he starts, and then he, and then he's he starts slurring, and and he passes out, and we're like to believe that the um, what he drank, um, killed him, and then Joey shoots him, so we're like. Oh yeah, he's dead. Like, he's dead dead, you know? And it's horrible, because he's one of the best characters. Lots of death in this film. Some that you could argue are tragic. Um, I'm thinking of one of, like, the first, like, big assassin kills. Um, But this one hurts. This one... This one got me. Um, Like, a little tear in my eye got me, because... His brother's on the train and his brother finds him. And he gives him his necklace. And, oh, it's so sad. And, like, oh, it's so sad. It's so devastating. And then, like, he's an assassin with nothing to lose. So, and this man, I can't remember his name. um, He plays Quicksilver in, like, the... Well, I know that doesn't really narrow it down. But in uh, Age of Ultron. Hot. Gorgeous man. Gorgeous cast. This man in particular, he's got nothing to lose. He goes and he's, um, he figures out, like, what Lemon was trying to say. He confronts Joey, like, he's doing all this stuff. And then he goes, like, Joey, by the way, is, is like, she looks like Dora the Explorers. They, they did not do her any favors in the wig department. I will tell you that. Um, her outfit, Slay. Her hair, horrible. <laughs> Disgusting um she looks like Dorothy's well, story so bad i want I want her to have a better life <laughs> but she um he figures out what um uh, through a Thomas the tank engine reference, what was going on. Um confront Joey, goes to unalive her because you know she's also an assassin, and um Brad Pitt's character is like, Whoa, 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 you can't hurt the lady, kills him ah! devastating, horrible tears throwing up. <laughs> ah, I was so mad. I thought he uh I thought he was gonna make it. <laughs> he was gonna get off the train. Horrible. He sh- and it's a graphic, like, especially for the movie, like, there's a lot of death, but not all of it is, like, some of it is, like, overtly graphic in a way that's comical, like, it's not scary or whatever, it just is kind of like, oh, okay. Um, this one was actually pretty, like, graphic, and, it- and I was like, dude, um, he gets shot through the neck, um, and so, he can't talk either? Oh, it's awful. And he's trying to, like, explain, like, no, she's evil! And Ryan Pitt's character is like, she's just a baby um awful awful <laughs> i'm getting upset i'm getting worked up so you you guys are like okay so people died <sighs> if only it's were that easy so <laughs> i'm so mad well this is good this makes me care right um so it turns out that lemon the um powder that brad pitt had put in the drink wasn't Poison. It was sleeping powder. (laughs) So he fell asleep, and then when he got shot, and it's shown early in the movie, he wears a bulletproof vest. Dude was just sleeping. He was fine. He Julietted us, but Clementine very much dead. Very very much dead. So, oh, Sullivan wakes up. I'm gonna cry. Oh my god. And this is it's a comedy movie, guys. It's a comedy action movie. Why was this so serious? He wakes up, he sees his brother's necklace, and he's like, because his brother uh, Clementine put it on Lemon whenever he thought he was dead. He was like, you know, I want this for you, brother. Basically, I'm going to go avenge you. So he wakes up, he's like, where's my brother? because I'm British, was my brother. And, um, yeah. Dude's dead. So, he goes and he mourns with him. And, like, we've seen each brother... Oh, we've seen both brothers mourn each other. It is awful. It is actually sinful that they put that in the movie. For what? For what reason? Oh my god. Oh my god. It's so stupid. And, not to talk about bodies, bodies, bodies again. But I'm gonna talk about bodies, bodies, bodies again. It, um... The emotional weight that these movies put in... And, yes, a lot of people are dying. That sounds like the, like, Vanessa Hudgens. A lot of people will die. But, um, the emotional weight for these... And then to just, like, have, like, this gut kick of something that you actually care about. Because uh, on film, not in real life, but on film, when so many people die, sometimes it gets, like, a little less, like, jarring. And then... When you have this one person that your brain and the movie makes you feel is safe, like yes, all these other things happen, but this won't. And then you have this emotional impact one, and then at the end, because it is a comedy movie, both Bodies Bodies and uh, Bullet Train are, at the end they are comedy, you know, based. When it gets revealed, like at the end, like how stupid and banal like all of this was. And then you still have all of these, like, actual tests that you care about. It's, uh it's painful. I thought that that was good as far as storytelling and filmmaking. Um, because I didn't expect it. And I was emotionally invested. And having the second one was, boom, ten times as harder. Or as, uh, ten times harder. Um, and it is kind of like the Roman Julia, except for the brother brother does live. Um, which is arguably worse um, in this instance, like obviously living is great. <laughs> Yay life. Um, but it's, it, mm, it's just the weight of that guilt and the sadness. Oh my God. Um, so this is an example of weighing heavily on your audience's empathy that I think works. This last example, and I'm going to try cause this episode is getting long. And this was supposed to be our short in between episode pisses me off. It makes me so mad. Um, So I'm going to try not to rant too much. I do do have a future episode planned. I've been working on this episode for years, but I forgot about it. And I'm going to pick back up the script that is on Frozen 2. (sighs) But we're going to talk about Frozen 2. So spoilers for Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. I'm going to try to be brief. I'm gonna try to be brief. This makes me so mad. So, in Frozen One, um, if you have, spoilers alert, if you don't know what it's about, Frozen is about these two sisters. One of them has magical or is cursed with magical ice powers. Um, the other one is a princess. Um, it subverted a lot of tropes at the time. Um, it's all about sisterhood and love and family and trusting yourself. It is extremely heavily queer coded. It quote-unquote had one of the first Disney gay characters in the background. Um, But also Elsa, you know. Um, Yeah. So, in the Frozen franchise, uh, which I really can talk a lot about my opinions on Frozen and Disney marketing, but that is a tale for another day. Um, (laughs) So, in the Frozen universe, the FCU... (laughs) Um, uh, there's a the character of Olaf, who is a snowman that, um, Elsa made Anna when they were kids to play around with, um, who, once she actually came into her powers more, she accidentally animated and, um, uh, made him a living snowman. Give me one moment. So, <sighs> Olaf is, is, Josh, Cad, Gad? Um, from Book of Mormon, and, uh, now he's, like, in Disney's pocket, which is interesting. Um, (laughs) he plays Olaf, um, and the first time you see it possibly charming, it's a character built for kids, um, this reanimated snowman, or animated snowman, um, and Frozen also was the kind of start of Disney's twist villain era. So, so, um, okay, so Anna falls in love with this guy, Hans, who is, um, ugly, <laughs> sorry, who is a bad character, um, and you think, you know, she does that whole thing where she falls in love right off the bat, and it it's questioned by the characters actually in this movie, um, it was also the start of, like, feminist Disney era, which is, uh, a thing in itself. Um not <laughs> it's not bad to be feminist is pandering the way that Disney does it. I'll say that. So um so then out El- like Hans uh reveals to Anna that he was not in love with her after she gets cursed by Elsa accidentally. She hits a piece of ice in her heart. It makes her get this really cool gray strip in her hair but she is also dying um so there's that <laughs> um and she goes to haunt or she's rushed to haunt by her clearly better love interest um choice in the movie um it's dropped off she's like you know give me the kiss of true love and he's like oh to where that were that simple um and he's like if only there was someone to love you and then he leaves her locked in a room with olaf and so anna is like Her sister's not there. The guy who dropped her off thinks that she's safe with Hans. Like, there's no one to come rescue her. It's just her and Olaf in this room. And Olaf, like, starts a fire because Anna's heart is frozen. She's starting to die. She's freezing. This is a children's movie. And um, Olaf, like, stokes the fire and makes it bigger for her. And she's like, no, you'll melt because he's snow. And he's like, some, I think it's some friends or some people are worth melting for. And he... Dies, um, <laughs> and it's very sad, <laughs> um, because it. I mean, it is. It's like, oh no, she's lost everything. Oh no, her kingdom is everything. Her sister, wow, um, she does get saved though, um, and things are better. She doesn't die, so I don't quite count it as a as a uh fake out death or mostly death. But it does seem she does we get real close, but Olaf does die, and it's very sad, um. It is. (laughs) It is very sad. And at the end of the movie, he does get reincarnated by um, Elsa with his full um, personality and everything. He's just the same. He's just not melted water. Which begs the question, um, one, is Elsa Necromancer? Did like, but of like snow people, and she just resurrected Olaf, or is Olaf in the water, and like his add-ons, like his his you know features, which do move around, are they just like P- Mr. Potato Head add-ons, and they affect nothing to him, but maybe like he couldn't talk when he was a puddle, but was he sentient in the puddle? I don't know. The question tails for another day, um, but in the, um, second movie, so that's, uh, movie one, um, and it's good, it's good on its own, um, Frozen 2 is interesting, and I'm, I'm really gonna rein myself in, I'm not gonna talk about it, I'm just gonna stick to the death, um, y- yep, yeah, just the death lyric, okay, um, I have so many thoughts, um, no, 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 just to death, okay, this is too long already, um, they fake out Olaf's death again, <laughs> and it makes me infuriated because of one it is a okay <sighs> Frozen Two is a good, deeply flawed, bad, good movie um the music in it good the storytelling all over the place. The hype, completely different than the movie we got. The movie, slightly no sense. More canon, less sense. Um, Yeah, that's the most I could do without going into a full rant. Um, But this particular scene... um, So, okay, so Frozen 2 is all about Elsa finding herself. But once again, she's shirking her duties. (laughs) Her sister needs her um, in Arendelle... I, Elsa, like I said, is going on this journey to find herself. She, she gets, it's very convoluted. It's very stupid. Um, but Anna is, I think, stuck in a cave or something or a pit. I don't remember, but she can tell that her sister Elsa has died. So we get a fake out death from Elsa. Elsa is frozen. Very sad. So sad. She's finding herself, but she is now dead, um, in theory. (laughs) So, um, I'm laughing, but the scene is actually very heartbreaking. Um, so Anna is lost, and I think it's, like, a little hole in a cave. I don't- not, like, a cave, but, like, in a mountain. Um, and she now knows that her sister is dead because, once again, children's movie, there's, like, the air goes out, and, like, suddenly, like, Olaf is dead, and Anna, once again, has lost everything. <laughs> but she's still alive. So she has to keep going. Oh my god, this is so unnecessarily sad. She has to keep going um, to save herself and her people. Now knowing that her sister and her best friend have died people still, like, will not know her sister or her legacy, like, she has to, like, and she sings this heartbreaking song called The Next Right Thing, um, which actually is based on the singer, um, of Elsa, no, the singer on a uh, uh, Kristen Bell's own, like, anxiety, um, it's horribly sad, um, and it's just talking about, like, even though, like, your whole world is gone. You have to just keep on moving. And so I'm thinking, okay, yes, it's a children's movie, but we already did the fake-out death from Olaf in, in uh, movie one. Maybe Olaf shouldn't return in this one, and maybe there's, like, a new character or whatever, like, Elsa could make something, and it's, like, it's not the same. Like, it, it's different, but it's, you know... And that could be a lesson. Like, you know, like, it, it's not it's not gonna be the same which would also tie into the uh, the song in the beginning, Some Things Never Change, and kind of, like, if the story is, like, some things will change, but we can adapt. If it's, like, it's not Olaf, it's a side character, it would still be sad. This whole movie was sad. Like, but no, of course Elsa's alive. She just was temporarily frozen, Um, which also, like, if she does die, does everything she create died? Because clearly that's what happened. Um, Much to think about in this children's, movie but um yeah so Olaf just is fine again why why have him died too for the second time couldn't he have just said like I feel like I've lost something or some like thing like I guess visually they wanted something that's like (gasps) you know but it it's a children's movie and it's so sad and then he's just fine I don't want him to be fine anymore uh, if he's gonna keep dying, he, just just stay gone, Olaf. You trash Cad, I'm sorry. You have outstayed your welcome. It makes me mad. I get like I don't understand. Like and and I think it's just the like you are pulling on the audience and you're banking on their sympathy and their sadness and their grief and they're like Nah, I'm just playing. <laughs> it was a cool scene though, right? Can't stand it. <laughs> the one with bullet train makes me mad, but it makes sense for the type of story it is. The only thing that kind of leaves me u- upset or like upset is that like it was for naught. You know, and I just hate that. I hate that it was for naught. Um Olaf and Elsa like kind of had a reason to die and then they were just back. And I was like, okay, well that the the weight of that is not it's not given. So yeah. Um I really don't know how to end this episode So I will just give you guys a story to look up if you haven't heard of it. I have been telling the people close to me. Um, But since we are doing this whole fake death um, episode, a author, a romance author, very uh, recently, within the past... uh, Well, within this new year, it's only January, um, got discovered as faking her own death in real life. she told people that she committed unaliving on herself, um, pretended to be someone else, wrote more books, bullied people for in her words, making her or like the un quote unquote unalived author hurt and harm themselves, and then was like, I'm I'm alive, actually. For what? For what? Yeah, let's go into the mabob. Okay, so for this mabob, which if you are new here, is a movie, musical, anime, or book recommendation um, from yours truly... Um, I'm going to des- suggest two movies, one based off of a book and the other based off of a board game. Um, I do want to do a Clue episode in the future. Shout out to uh, listener in the pod, Parker, one of my very close friends. She actually gave me, a for Christmas, a Clue board game that was themed after people and things in our lives. Very, very sweet, very appreciated. Um, so, of course, you have to shout out Clue. Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies... Um, Top movie to force people to watch it's on that list um just go into it, ready to have camp a good time um and have a campy good time. The second one is actually, I um always think of this one as like the mystery that really got me into mystery. I read a few as a kid, but the feeling of solving this one has never left me, and I've been writing that hide since elementary school, and that is the westing game um the book. There is a movie which is also good and it only seemed to exist in my Vegas of memories. Um it is called the Westing game or Get a Clue. I remember watching it as a kid, um, under th- on VHS, <laughs> under the name Get a Clue. Um, not the one with Lindsay Lohan. That's a different mystery, um, which is also good. It's more like Harriet the Spy. Um but uh the Western game is I would say more similar to um, the Hawthorne Legacy books, or even um, Knives Out. It's like Knives Out for kids, and also <laughs> came out years and years ago. So, um, yeah. So either Clue, the Western game slash Get a Clue, or whatever little mystery um, your heart desires that would make you feel very smart for completing it. Um, I hope you guys have a great, um, day and happy new year. Um, I'm really excited for this, well, this was supposed to be the small episode, but we are getting a bigger episode, um, hopefully next week. Like I said, scripting is just taking a little bit longer. Um, it's gonna be like a recap of all of the books that I read last year, um, which ends up being about 150, so, um... Look forward to that, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye!